You know, I'm just testing the water, seeing how this all goes, you know. But with other friends, you might already be at a level 10. You know, like full-on transparency. You don't hold anything back. You know, there's you've walked through some stuff. Also in John 15, he, he shares with us um, several times, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And, that, and I always think that that's an interesting dynamic. He's called us friends. But he's like, but if you love me, you'll obey me. You ever had a, like a real bossy friend always telling you what to do? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And quit pointing fingers back there, you know. <laughs> but have you ever experienced that? Because, because, uh, because the dynamic is, is like, man, I don't think, you, you're not, because from the day you were three years old, you were saying, you're not the boss of me, you know? And so, but, but. But he is Lord. And so the invitation of friendship with him is actually a promotion. Because, I mean, he is Lord, right? And, and so, the, but the, the thought of having friendship with the Lord of all creation is actually an invitation to come up higher and to have an in-depth relationship with him. And so... And Jesus calls them friends, and they are only a few hours from the moment when they would all turn their back on him and run. And Jesus knew this, right? He knew what was about to happen, but he's defining them as friends. And so, so this, this night for the disciples, I think it was shrouded with, confusion what's going on there's mystery and yet at the same time there's awe and bewilderment because they know they're in some sort of a holy moment you know jesus just washed their feet and he's telling them he's about to go and that another one is coming this is all about to change i know you gave up everything to come and follow me but all of this is about to change and so the amount of awe and confusion that they were experiencing, right, that, that the disciples felt that night, I think sometimes it's just lost in our casual reading of John 15. You see, in John 15, how many of you have, have uh, John 15 in red letters? You know, right. And so, so this experience this night was more than just simply red letters on the page it was it was the words of the living god jesus the word incarnate and he was the one who came to show us the father he was the one that was going to separate everything or i'm sorry he's going to deal with everything that separated us from the father okay so this is jesus he came to show us the father and see i believe in a very real way that John 15, in it, has the secret of life. The secret to a life of a follower of Jesus. I think there is so much weight in this. It's, it's, it's amazing. I think, I think it has the secret of a life that reflects and carries the glory of God. As we unpack this chapter of this next season of time. So this morning, we actually only have time for two verses because there is, there's, a, there's just a lot in here, 
okay? And, um, and so what I'm going to do is um, we're going to go through the, just a few verses, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay two translations side by side. I'm going to have New King James on one side, and then I'm going to have the Passion Translation on the other side. Now, I've talked a little bit about the Passion Translation over the, uh, over the past several years, but, like, but I just want to uh, throw this idea back in, into, into the uh, mix here. But like the Passion Translation, what it does in its translation is it tries to capture a broader, more poetic form of the, of the languages, okay? And its intention is, is so that we can kind of, on a heart level, understand not only the thought, but also the emotion of what was being expressed in the Scripture. Because sometimes our translations are pretty stale, you know. You, you, you hear me? And so that's what, so I, I like to lay these two side by side so that we can uh, capture the intent of the word of God here. And, but see, and this is good because we're used to hearing certain passages a certain way, especially when we start talking about abiding in the vine, you know, we're, we're, we get accustomed to hearing things a certain way. And you know, whenever you get accustomed to hearing things a certain way, it's just like, oh yeah, I know what that's all about. You, you see what I'm saying? And our, and our understanding of the passage really gets limited. And so, and in some ways, we can actually unknowingly kind of numb out to the power of what Jesus was just saying. And so we're going to, so we're going to hold the, the Passion Translation, but we're also going to look at the older translation too. Because how many of you also know that you can read something a thousand times and get something new every time you read it? And that's all because of the quickening of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to us. Amen. And so we're, so I hope to build off of previous understanding and then now add to it and hopefully connect us a little bit more to the awe of that not what was going on. Okay, so the title of this first one is, is A Life of Fruitfulness. So I'm going to start with this, the first two verses from John 15, starting with verse 1. New King James first. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now I want to read it to you in, in the Passion Translation. Jesus says, I'm the true sprouting vine. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. And then pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So in the Passion Translation, Jesus opens up and he says, I am the true and sprouting vine. Of course, in the King James, he says, I'm, I'm the vine. See, any time, now this is a room full of agricultural experts, right? 
to a point. <laughs> All right. But see, here's the deal. Anytime you have a plant that is sprouting, it's evidence that there is life in the plant. Jesus describes himself as the true sprouting vine. What does this mean for us? Is that there is life in the vine. That this, this is, there is life in Jesus. He is the true sprouting vine. And check this out. It's not, it's not just the fact that he's the only way to eternal life with the Father, but he is a life carrier for all aspects of life. For every aspect of your life, he is the life carrier. You don't have to raise your hand on this one, but uh, have you ever been stuck in a dead-end job? And it, how it kind of sucks the life out of you, like your face is being dragged across gravel at times. Okay? But here's the deal. But for the follower of Jesus, the one who is connected to his life flow, that even if you're stuck in a dead-end job, it doesn't hold its grip on you because you're so connected to his life. So here's the deal. Job or no job, if I'm in Jesus, I have life. Right? Whether I have money or no money, it doesn't matter. I can have life in Jesus. Whether I have a woman or no woman, I can have life in Jesus. Why? Because he is the true sprouting vine. That all of life is in him. He is the fullness thereof. Are you tracking with me? So our desire as, as a church is uh, connecting real people to a real God, right? We, we've talked about this a lot over the years. You know, connecting real people to a real God. Meaning that we believe in our connection to Jesus that there is real life and that we want everybody to experience what it's like to be connected to that true vine. We want everybody to know what it's like to be connected to the life that is in Jesus. See, in our relationship with Jesus, living the Jesus-centered life, there's life for our family, there's life for our work, there's life for church, there's life for our finances, there's life even for difficult relationships. So because we are in Jesus, there's life for everything. And so the concept really is this, that because I am in Jesus, no matter what is going on around me, that I can have life solid. You see, Jesus was able to, to take a nap in a boat that was about to be toss, tossing everybody overboard. And then in the same way, when we are in Jesus, when our heart and mind is so connected to the fact, man, I'm really in Jesus. I'm 
really in Jesus. And that lie provides massive assurance. But here's the next person that Jesus describes. He, then he starts talking about the Father. He says the Father is, and New King James calls him the vine dresser, but, uh, but in the Passion Translation he calls him the farmer. See, the Father is a master cultivator. He's a farmer. He's, and, see, and what is he cultivating as the vine dresser? He's cultivating the vine and he's cultivating the branches in order to produce maximum fruitfulness. See, here's the deal. We see clearly from Scripture how carefully planned the Father was in revealing Jesus. Are you, are you tracking with me? See, the Father was carefully revealing from the dawn of creation this true sprouting vine that you can see him first mentioned all the way back in Genesis. And that you see him mentioned all the way through, all the way to the book of Revelation. See, for thousands of years, the Father was cultivating the vine, his true vine, his true son, into the earth. He was cultivating the story. He was cultivating the people, the relationships, and encounters with God. That Christ was revealed when Abraham had an encounter with the Father. So as the, fa the father, as a farmer, was cultivating the story. He's been farming a long time. See, I've heard it said that nowadays, if, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've heard it said that nowadays if you want to be successful as a farmer, you practically have to inherit land. Because to start out from just square one is next to impossible. And that in order to be successful, you actually have to kind of stack generations together. And I may be wrong about that. You can tell me otherwise. But that's what I've heard said. So from that frame of thought, though, what kind of harvest do you get from thousands of years, all generations, cultivating one vine by the master cultivator? I'm telling you, so that from the dawn of creation that the Father has been cultivating this vine, right? He's been cultivating this vine throughout all time to, to come to this moment at the end of the age to reap a massive harvest. I, for me, I just go like, man, what kind of harvest is the Father going to get? Whew, that's mind-boggling to me. Now here's here's the other thing that the that the father is farming. He's cultivating the branches. The branches is us. We the branches. Say I'm a branch. You're a branch, right? So here here we here we go. So even before you chose Christ, even before you chose Christ, before you walked the aisle, before you did all of the stuff, here's what you need to know. Father was working to cultivate the events of your life, the circumstances. He's bringing you to encounters, to moments, to processes, relationships, all the way to the point of you choosing Christ. The Lord has been farming your life for a long time. 
And at the moment you chose Christ, you were born a branch. You were born out of the vine. You became the true sprouting branch out of the true sprouting vine. Are you with me? So the Father's been cultivating your life. Now I want, let's go back to verse 2. I want to pull some things out here. King James, New King James. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Two types of branches here. Now let's look at it. It's a passion translation. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up, lifting and propping up fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So there's there are the non-fruit bearing branches and then there are the fruit bearing branches. Now let's talk about the non-fruit bearing branches first. In the King James, he says something pretty scary. He takes him away. But in the Passion Translation, he puts it this way, that the Father is, it comes to the fruitless branches and he lifts them up and props them up. Now, whenever you hear that, one sounds really scary and the other one sounds like a little bit more comforting, right? But here's, here's, here's what I'm going to offer you right now, my testimony. I, could, I would tell you that my testimony is, is that there have been times and seasons and areas of my life that did not seem fruitful at all. That stunk. But I can tell you that, that over time I, that I felt the lift and support of the, of the Lord, right, until those areas of my life started bearing fruit. Can anybody say amen to that? And so like there are so this is what I believe. I really believe that he works in our life to lift and to prop us up until we start bearing fruit. But here's the other aspect of this. The New King James says and he also says and he takes it away. Now here's the deal. As a student of scripture, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that I'm not going to explain away the scary stuff. You go like, what does take away mean? I think that's what that means. <laughs> so, you know what? Scripture needs to make us tighten up a little bit. Go, and we do a little self-evaluation. Right? Because the, the word needs to have that kind of, hey boy. It needs to be there. Right? So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain that away. But I also know that his in his tenderness and in his care, he has lifted me up. He has propped me up until I started bearing a little fruit. Amen. But here's the deal you need to remember, here's this this is the really cool stuff. That with the scary stuff of Scripture, like, I don't want to be taken away, you know, all the scary stuff, that you have the greatest tag team in the universe. 
You have the Father who's been farming your life. And on the other side, you have this vine that your life is connected to. Jesus and the Father have been tag-teaming you all along. And not to mention even the Holy Spirit. You've actually been triple-teamed. You are boxed in. Right? You're boxed in. So on the one side you have Jesus, the true sprouting vine whom you are safely in, and then on the other side you have the Father who's been farming your life. I can promise you he is, he is already propping up and lifting up areas of your life that are not bearing fruit. He is already doing that. Why? Because he said he would. As a branch, you have one job. And it's not to produce fruit. Your one job, stay in the vine. Stay connected to the vine. There's life in the vine. See, fruit is what happens when you're connected to the vine. So the more I I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus, the more that I... I hand over the rights and control of my life. The more that I yield my life, the more that I step into friendship and connection with Jesus, the more I decide to abide in Him, to stay in Him, and to live in Him, fruit will be a byproduct. I know I, My wife would tell you that there's some areas of my life that she, she gave up on confronting me. Just going like, God, you're going to have to deal with this. I don't know what to do. Any of you husbands relate to that? And so, but she said, but what always frustrated her is like, I, she said, I could tell you something a hundred times, but if the, and then nothing would ever change, but if the Lord ever told you to do it, you would do it. <laughs> I'm like, well, you got the end result, right? <laughs> but see, but that, but that was the whole thing. In my connection to Jesus, the fruit that she obviously saw that I was not bearing, it was a frustration to her, and she would try to beat it out of me, so to speak, right? And it would never come. But I did know enough to stay connected to Jesus because I at least knew that he loved me no matter what, (laughs) right? And so as I stayed connected to Jesus, then Jesus began to speak to me and then the fruit that she was longing for finally came to bear. Why? Because I stay connected to Jesus. And she's like, don't you remember me telling you that a long time ago? I'm like, no, I don't remember none of that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but, but see, as the branch, we have one job. And that is to stay connected to to Jesus. Stay connected to the vine. Fruit is what happens when you're connected to the vine. How many of you have ever gone up to a fruit tree and put your ear on a branch and heard this noise of None of us. If you did, I'm you know, we'll we'll pray for you later, but <laughs> but no one has ever heard a branch strain. 
you've never heard that in order to produce fruit. I'd actually, it's just the natural overflow of the life that is already in it. The most successful NFL team in history is the Patriots. I'm sorry to darken your morning by mentioning their name. But, uh, <laughs> but they have a saying on their team, and it's a simple three-word three team, do your job. If you do your job, you'll be successful. So what's our job? Stay connected. And it's not our job to produce fruit because he will bring it about. See, the father as, as, as a, and then there's the other branches, or actually there's, then there's the other aspect about fruitfulness, fruit-bearing branches. So we talked about non-fruit bearing, but now we're going to talk about fruit bearing. The way he treats fruit bearing branches. He prunes them. He prunes those branches so that they will bring about great harvest. And see, here's the thing about pruning that I think is important, especially if you've been in church for a while, is that we tend to confuse the seasons. See, don't think the Lord is pruning you when you're actually just reaping the consequences of sin and poor choices. That's not pruning. That's, that's stupidity at work in our life. That's, that's reaping what you sow. Pruning, pruning is what happens when he speaks the word of correction to your life. Pruning will primarily be what he's speaking into your life. Pruning will be uh, through his word, through his written word, through his voice. Anything that confronts you and challenges you. See, pruning happens after you've been in a season of fruitfulness. So you don't prune an unfruitful tree. You're prune, you prune one that's bearing fruit. And see, in the pruning, in that, in that season where you're bearing fruit and the Father begins to prune, I want you, I want you to think of it this way. That See, the Lord sees the vine. He sees the vine, and he sees all of the branches that are connected to the vine. The Father has a picture in his mind of how this branch is to complement what the vine needs to do. Are you tracking with me? So the Father has, has, is, is, is shaping every branch to work together is shaping every element of the vine in order that it to produce the exact picture that he has in his heart. Okay? So here's the thing. When the Lord prunes you, I want to suggest to you that it may not just be personal. When the Lord prunes you, it may just be kingdom. Kingdom. 
you know, sometimes you go like, well, let, let me just give you a scenario. Let's just say the Lord leads you to stop leading a life group. And you go like, God, man, I've been fruitful. I mean, I've been, you know, I've been seeing a lot of good things happen from this life group. And, man, things are just rocking and rolling right along. You know, I mean, why do you want me to stop leading this life group? I want you to stop leading this life group. And you go, okay, fine, I'm, I'm going to stop leading, leading the life group. A few weeks go along, I, I, want, I want you to go join this other group. And so you go and you join this other group. And you're hanging out there for a while, and you begin to develop relationships over there. And then before you know it, you're having the time of your life. And in that group, all of a sudden, maybe maybe just you start to experience like, man, there's some things that I've been missing all along. And then my relationships with the, my new relationships with these people, all of a sudden, the things that I thought I had I, or, or that I thought I had dealt with and years ago, God's brought them into my life to get a chance to deal with them. And you go like, man, I just, I feel stronger than ever. I mean, you know, semester goes by, another semester goes by, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, I, I, I think it's time you start leading a group again. And so then you go back to leading the group again and, and you start to gather more people. And, and next thing you know, the group that you lead now was way better than the one you did two years ago. Because over the season of time, the Lord was pruning, adding to, fertilizing, right? In order to bring about a better harvest. The same thing goes for many of us. You know, many of us were walking of this walk out and were more or less, at one point in time, more or less bored in our faith. And then you decided to try something new. Then all of a sudden you hear people start talking about this Holy Spirit guy. And people come and lay hands on you. And you, you know, you left one place to go to another place and, and then someone lays hands on you. Boom, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden this whole new world opens up to you. So you leave one place, you prune yourself back and you go follow the Lord in another direction. And he produces more fruit in your life. Are you tracking with me? See, this is how he goes to work in pruning our lives. And I'm just trying to give you a practical example of how, of how that works. So pruning is primary, comes to us primarily through the word that he speaks to us, but I, but I don't want to negate the fact that there's multiple types of pruning, you know. 
There's the removal of relationships, the removal of responsibilities, correction. There is that. There's the, the losing of a job through no fault of your own. You know, it's just like, man, I never saw this coming. I didn't do anything wrong. How did this happen? Sometimes the Lord is actually working in that, pruning that back in order to set you in a different, because he says your branch is growing this way. He says, but I really want your branch to grow this way. You see what I'm saying? But even in the days of pruning, so there's days when we're being lifted and propped up, then there's the days of pruning, okay? But even in our days of pruning, our job is to what? Stay connected to the vine. Now here's the deal. What is the best? One of the best ways to stay connected to the vine is obviously worship, prayer, fasting, giving, all of the spiritual disciplines, right? We we should get that. We should understand that. But as I was praying over this, I was going like, understanding what connects us is just as important to understand what disconnects us. Anger. Anxiety, bitterness, depression, offense, jealousy. All you have to do is click on Facebook and see what everybody else has and go, God, why are you holding out on me? See, I think we have to not only be aware of what connects us, but also what disconnects us. You see, you know what's ugly? Church going bitter people. People who pretend to be connected, but in their hearts are very disconnected. That's pretty ugly. See, the scripture says in Hebrews, it says, be sure that no root of bitterness forms in you because in it, it'll defile the many. See, a lot of churches, I think, fall apart simply because someone got disconnected from the vine and planted a bitter root and their bitterness corrupted the whole church. So, if we're going to live a life of fruitfulness, I'm going to have a question and then we can discuss, discuss it together. How are you doing with your one job <laughs> of staying connected? Are you making him the center of your life? You go like, well, I need to pray more, you know, worship more. Good, great. What's keeping you disconnected? Bitterness, anger, jealousy, anxiety, sin, past. See, this is the year where we get to divinely let go of the past and lay hold of to what God is doing in the now. So, Lord, I thank you for these men today. I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you, Father, for what you want to do in us and through us. And so, Jesus, be the center of our thinking, of our conversations, Lord. And 
And Father, in places, Lord, where we've been struggling in our connection, Lord, Lord, help us to have open eyes to see it the way you do. Uh, Father, may we be more fully grafted into this vine and step more fully into our friendship with you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Amen.